Hello, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news and social justice issues. Last week saw two groups of people out on the streets of Melbourne calling for their rights to be addressed. On Monday the 22nd of February, the vocational education teachers, formerly known as TAFE teachers, at RMIT went on strike and picketed RMIT in the centre of the city for fair wages and conditions. We will hear from Dr Melissa Slee, NTEU branch president at RMIT University, later on in the program about the dispute and what it's all about. But first, we hear from Fair Go for Pensioners. They are out on Wednesday on the steps of Parliament to launch their employment policy before the state and federal budgets. Stick Together was able to hear from some of the organisers and Father Bob Maguire, who came out in support. So can you just tell me who you are and... Uh... Yeah, Frank Cherry's my name and uh, I'm from Fair Go for Pensioners. We've got the rally outside Parliament today and we're here for a number of reasons. Uh, one is about the utilities allowance, which of course is becoming uh, a big burden on pensioners now with the increase in gas, electricity, water and council rates, which is plunging people into absolute poverty. Our other reason to be here today, we're mindful that there are other people in difficulties. We've got the Single Mums Association here today, we've got the Greek community, the Italian community, and importantly we've got the homeless being represented and of course the unemployed. So we've broadened ourselves to uh, embrace all of those people that are reliant on the social wage or as welfare as they call it now. So that's the part of our, and we will be lobbying the parliament, we've been doing that and we've prepared quite an agenda to present to the parliament as they come up to preparing for the budget this year. So later in the year, about May, after the budget's announced, we've got another rally that'll be planned for down at the um, public library and I think that's the 24th of May, but just between the national and, and the uh, state budgets, that's our time to assess what's happening and where we go from there. Now, the issue of uh, calling it welfare, uh, in, just recently the uh, Treasurer has wanted people to embrace the notion that uh, uh, the age pension is a welfare payment. Can you comment on that? Well, it depends. Well, it is for people to be on welfare. But what he's saying is that we shouldn't get that. You know, it's, it's some sort of lurk. extra. Yeah, some sort of lurk. But many of us, and in my age bracket, I'm 86, in my age bracket, we never had superannuation. Superannuation wasn't there. So when we retired, we had no alternative but to go on the pension. But also, you're a working man that uh, paid your taxes. Oh, absolutely. That's what the point I'm making. Uh, I worked all of my life. I started work at age 13 and I worked through till I was 65. And uh, all those years I paid tax, contributed to society, and now they say the, the era of welfare is finished. Well, of course, that's a, a put-down of ordinary people. Uh, the other thing is... Uh, uh, now, this is a fair go for pensioners. Uh, do you think that uh, people in general... Uh, might not realise that this is, uh, affects them much more than uh, just people who are on pensions? Well, that's the message we're trying to get out. In our early days, uh, we were just for pensioners because that's how we form. But you only have to look at the statistics and out of all the people that are badly done by, pensioners are perhaps the best. 
because the unemployed, the single mums, all of these organisations are receiving less than pensioners. And the pensioners, of course, are on the poverty level. So if we're on the poverty level, those that are below us, it's impossible for them to live. And uh, it is hard to get through to people that one day this might well affect you. And there's plenty of people that are unemployed now that never thought that would happen to them. There's plenty of single mums that never thought they'd be a single mum. And so that's what we're pursuing. You've got to look at the broad picture of people who are reliant on a living wage uh, of welfare. And it has to be a living wage. Oh, I'm from 3CR and I was wondering... Oh, God bless yeah. them. And I had spoken what to you. What am I doing here? Yeah, what are you doing here? I'm only doing here because A, I'm a pensioner, aren't I? 81? Oh, I'm sure you are. Yeah, B, I'm here because... Uh, Oh, I suppose because I've been hanging around Port Melbourne, South Melbourne for 40 years, waiting for a miracle, like a fair go for everybody, and um, still waiting, and therefore I thought I'd join in the chorus here at the barricades, uh, because if we stop talking about a fair go, well then uh, we'll be ignored. A fair go will be ignored by the others, because they've got no reason for taking the issue seriously because it doesn't touch them. So you say so you, you need you know, this, this assault on the fair go, this idea of fair go, what are we in? What's this Australia we're in now? Oh, well, you're in the, you're in the, um, uh, what? Um, the opposite of a fair go, which is in fact, uh, what's the word they use these days? Entitlement. If you've got entitlement, that's your ticket to prosperity. If you are designated as not entitled, which means you're old, you're disabled, you're unemployable, uh, you're a bloody nuisance or whatever, that makes, it very, that makes it easier for the powers that be to uh, punish you. So that's what's happening. I think there's more punishment around now uh, of people who... The ruling class doesn't understand. There's been an outbreak of, what am I calling it? Cultural incompetence. Governments that can't govern? Yeah, but I mean, they, 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 they know that a little bit now because I've heard them talking about it with regards to Indigenous people's affairs. Lots of public service go there, make no difference. <clears throat> That's the claim because they don't really know the culture of the place and they can't do much uh, practical to address the problems because they don't understand the culture. Now, it's, I think it's the same with the old, old people and with, um, with, the, with, the, with, with the disabled people and people in need of pensions. See? The, the suits don't really understand. If they ever have it in their own families, they've probably forgotten it. See? Because it's easy to forget. Well, actually, the amount that's actually put aside for uh, welfare payments is actually quite small. Do you think that the attack on people who are in these categories is really just a diversion? Oh, now, I see, you're going to turn me into a commo. See what I mean? Um, I mean, I'd say that probably if I was looking for a, what do you call it, a, a, um, a quick round of applause... But I don't know, see. I mean, I'd prefer to think the Aussies are not yet involved in that spiral uh, where the 1% own the universe and the 99% can, can, uh, are, are expected to find their own way. 
but every day you get the uh, what? You get the feeling that that is the truth, <laughs> the truth, especially if you listen to ministers uh, making their endless statements in public. You're not talking about religious ministers. No, 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 they're bad enough, but I mean the, the p p politicians, because they really sound to me to have no feeling. See? And a thing came out today, it said, I oh, guess what, folks, we're very high on IQ, but we're very poor on EQ. Emotional. Maturity. And I think that's true, see? A lot of, a lot of stuff being done very intelligently, allegedly, very intelligently, but with no feeling at all. Why are you here today? Why is it so important? Why well, is it important? Right across the world, basically, they don't want to look after anybody. Anybody that's old, retired, or anything in Greece, they've taken all their pensions off them, they're in Belgium and uh, Spain and other places, so we're not too far away from it here. All right. The next speaker is Marilyn King. Marilyn is the founder and president of WOW, W-O-W, -W, and WOW stands for Willing Older Workers Incorporated. Thank you. My dictionary defines unemployment as being voluntarily out of work. Voluntarily out of work. The people that WOW helps are over 50, they're unemployed or they're underemployed and they want full-time employment. They want to work. They are not dull bludgers. The term dull bludgers is derogatory, it is discriminatory, and we need to stamp it out. The people that are members of our group, one of them has degrees, she's waiting on tables. Another has a degree in economics, and as she said, I'm doing part-time work a few hours a week, no job security, but I'm wiping bums and I'm cleaning toilets. I would rather do this than be deemed to be a dull bludger. We have a gentleman who has degrees galore, and as he said, they're not worth a thing. He's been unemployed for three years, and he said he might as well just use his degrees as toilet paper. Voluntarily unemployed. People want to work. If we don't create a society, and if our politicians don't listen and create that society where work is available, we're going to have more and more people, mature age and young people, who cannot work. We have let our society go to the pits. One gentleman with tears in his eyes told me, I'm not even going to be able to afford my funeral if I commit suicide, so what hope do I have? So I'm asking all politicians if they can imagine what it's like to submit hundreds of job applications and in most cases not even get a response. Can you imagine what it's like to be in your 50s or 60s and not have any income? Some of the people that come to us don't even qualify for Centrelink support because, gee, they were stupid and they saved and they maybe bought an investment property that might be costing them a fortune. But until they sell that property and until they spend all the savings, they don't qualify for any assistance. 
and they are not even counted in the unemployment statistics. They are a person in no man's land and they don't even have a possibility of being assisted. So can politicians imagine what it's like to worry about how they have, they're going to pay their bills? To see that wake up in the morning and just know your savings are being eroded day by day, to have no financial security in their future and to contemplate suicide, having lost all hope. This is the situation that has been occurring and gradually increasing year after year. It's not a new thing. It's not new for people who are over 50 to be unemployed, to be trying to find work. We have people coming to us in their late 30s saying, can you give us a food parcel? I can't feed my children. Like Father Bob, we run a food program. I wish that we didn't have to. I wish that we didn't have to, night after night, go up and collect the donated food. I wish we didn't have to have people come in and pack those bags of food. I wish that we didn't have to make people beg for assistance. So I read that the rate of unemployment is an indicator of the health of the economy. If that's true, then our economy should be an intensive care attached to life support systems. This is unacceptable. Unemployment should not be accepted as being a normal state of society. We should not have people looking for work, wanting to work, and not being able to get that work. Unemployment is a serious social evil. And when I use the term evil, I use it in its purest form. We cannot condone this anymore. It erodes people, unemployment erodes people's hopes, it erodes their quality of life, and it erodes their futures. Is it acceptable to have unemployment? No. Is it acceptable to have unemployment? No. Is it acceptable to call people doll bludgers? No. No, it's not. And I want the term doll bludger taken out of all references. To have a person come to me and tell, them, tell me that a Centrelink employee said, oh, you just have to get off your backside and stop being a doll bludger, when this person had swallowed every ounce of pride and finally, finally after about a year and a half of being unemployed, went to Centrelink and asked for assistance, he walked out of there, he cried, he came to us and he said, what the hell am I going to do? Doll bludger needs to go. The term cannot be condoned. Are we going to condone doll bludger term? No. Are we going to condone unemployment? No. Are we going to condone politicians who sit on their, in the butts on their offices and don't do a thing to create jobs? No. no. Thank you all for being here and thank you for having the courage to stand up and put your face to a situation that is really unacceptable. We want employment. Thank you. Stick together. 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 You're listening to Stick Together on Community Radio. You're on Stick Together, Union News and Workers' Stories. 
Stick Together is produced in the studios of 3CR Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. There was a heat wave in Melbourne on Monday, February the 22nd, but this did not stop vocational education teachers picketing their employer, RMIT. They have been without an agreement for three years. With wages going backwards and conditions being squeezed, some might say RMIT is making a profit from the sweat and tears of its employees. I asked Dr Melissa Slee, NTEU branch president of RMIT University, for a lowdown on what is happening here. The TAFE award basically expired, uh, and so the former TAFE teachers at RMIT now work solely for RMIT vocational education, but have been in limbo ever since that old TAFE award expired. So for the last three years, uh, they've been waiting for a new agreement. They went for two and a half years with no pay rise. So their pay has actually, of course, gone backwards against the cost of living. During the last 18 months, I guess the campaign has heated up. Staff have been dragged through two non-union ballots, essentially. (laughs) The first ballot, management tried to drive through the worst imaginable agreement, you know, quite waving attacks on their wages and conditions. They offered just 5% pay rise over four years, which includes, of course, the two years they went without a pay rise. Um, Staff defeated that ballot by 72% of the vote, so absolutely smashed it. Management came back for a second ballot with not much of improvements uh, in wages and conditions, and staff again voted against that ballot and won that ballot as well. Uh, So now management appear to be every bit as intransigent in trying to drive through uh, what staff have repeatedly said is not good enough. And in frustration, having tried to communicate (laughs) via the ballot, um, staff have now launched an industrial campaign. RMIT is not an ailing uh, institution, isn't it? Is it? No. It's actually doing very well. Thank you very much. Yes, uh, uh, RMIT has a one billion dollar annual turnover. Has interest in uh, Indonesia, Vietnam, Singapore, Hong Kong, uh, Barcelona, and in Europe. It also made last year a seventy one million dollar surplus. When we talk about vocational education teachers, they've taken, they've rebadged them as vocational education teachers. We often, we all know them as TAFE teachers, but when we talk about vocational education teachers, we're now looking at a system where uh, where RMIT can uh, educate students to a level of first year or second year higher education through the vocational education sector, but they're expecting that the casual sessional teachers will have a wage that is insecure and never increasing. Is that right? That's exactly right. I think the starting point really is the problem in the TAFE sector as well. As we know, since the demise of TAFE, Wages and conditions for teachers in the TAFE Institute have sadly, you know, crashed. Um, the MBA that they've signed up is, you know, substandard. Now, for RMIT, which, as we said, made a $71 million surplus, to peg the wages and conditions of VE teachers at RMIT against the TAFE teachers is just, you know, scandalous. The other com- compounding factor, as you just said, is that the TAFE teachers 
themselves don't teach TAFE in the traditional way we understand it. Two-thirds of the students enrolled at vocational education at RMIT can get credit right up to third years, uh, some of them up to third year higher education degrees. And so what we're teaching here at RMIT are what we call pathway programs, uh, overwhelmingly. So students enrol in an associate degree or at a graduate diploma in vocational education with the understanding that the majority of them are looking to get credit towards a university degree. These uh, ballots that they're giving workers, you know, they want them to accept something outside a union negotiated agreement uh, workers have set, not accepted those uh, agreements that they've put to people. They want to have the NTU to actually negotiate an outcome. This is slowing down the process for a number of years now. RMIT has been able to get away with not paying people at a reasonable rate. If you actually get a negotiated outcome, will they backdate those pays that they should have been paying people? They seem to be almost in denial about how what kind of debt they owe to the vocational education teachers. You know, um, uh, the fact is vocational education teachers dug in to bail out RMIT TAFE when TAFE crashed and brought those programs right up, you know, up and out of that mess and yet at the same time were denied a pay rise and then what they got at the end, as you say... The thanks they got was an aggressive non-union ballot, <laughs> uh, which tried to drive their wages and conditions down even further. And that, I think, is the underlying anger, you know, sort of fueling this underlying anger that teachers uh, feel, uh, and that has sustained the campaign. So that today, I sort of expected numbers to drop off a little. To be honest, you know, I well, thought it's a very oh, hot day too. Well, you know, you just don't know where people are at. But um, actually, I think the campaign is honestly going from strength to strength as people realise, you know, the scale of the injustice, really, and the the scale of the profits that RMIT are making on the backs of the hard work of these teachers, and yet refusing to pay for it. They're just getting actually getting angrier. Will they get back pay? They have offered a one-off sign-on bonus, which is not a pay rise, but only on the grounds that RMIT teachers sign up to a substandard agreement. This is the trickery of it, you know, that oh. uh, they offer a 5% one-off bribe yes. uh, between 4,000 4, and 6,000, except that the only reason why you'd get a five, uh, six thousand out of it is if you get you're on a salary of one hundred and twenty thousand dollars, which is laughable, isn't it? Well, it's it's laughable because no vocational education teacher earns one hundred twenty thousand uh, dollars. The upper limit is you know more like eighty five thousand dollars actually. So even there, it's like, do they even know? how ludicrous their claims are. This was written in an email to all teachers uh, and a quick calculation, even for someone a bit slow like me, (laughs) (laughs) can do the math and go, you know what, to get $6,000, as you say, I'd have to be on $120,000 a year. That email came out last week and I think it was part of the fuel that led, you know, people out onto the picket this morning. Uh, They're sick of being lied to and it's trickery, they're sick of being told, you know, these bribes and, 
you know, nasty, underhand tactics when really they should be sitting down and talking like sensible human beings to the staff, selected negotiators who are the union. So uh, where do you go from here? Well, that's a fine question. Management have now gone to two ballots and lost, have been trounced by the teachers twice in two ballots. For any agreement to be adopted, as lots of people will know, uh, it has to go to ballot. So management can either go to a third ballot, at which point we'll tell them again what we've told them in two other ballots, or they can do the sensible thing, which is to invite us back to the table uh, and make a reasonable offer. That's where we're at. The teachers today, uh, I, I was surprised uh, again at, at the um, resilience of their campaign. People are talking about hunger strike smells. Maybe we should go on strike for a week. Maybe <laughs> we should, you know, it was, you know, in some ways sort of funny, but also the, the, the tenor of it is they're so angry. Uh, and RMIT continuing to not speak to them is just making them angrier still. I think management were banking on the fact that people would go away over Christmas, have a holiday and come back feeling great. Um, actually, they've come back to very high workloads, no decent pay uh, and a management that won't listen to them uh, and they are fed up. Does the uh, Fair Work Commission have any role to play in this? That's a great question too. Actually, uh, RMIT... Bizarrely, in some ways, RMIT, to try and break this deadlock, we are in a deadlock, they're, they're quite right, you know, management won't back down and the teachers are certainly not backing down uh, and so, you know, we're at this sort of uh, standoff position so at the end of last year, management uh, went to the Fair Work Commission for conciliation, what's called conciliation. The difficulty with conciliation is that unless there's some sort of movement on either side, there's only so much the Commissioner and the Fair Work Commission can do. <laughs> uh, and so uh, the NTU predicted it would be a farce because, you know, we've already said no to their offer. And so we basically went to the Fair Work Commission and said no again in two separate sessions. <laughs> the Commissioner didn't look impressed. Once RMIT breaks through, which we will, it will inspire, I guess, um, other VE teachers at Swinburne and uh, I think Victoria University is still open as well uh, for negotiations. It might, um, it will raise, you know, their hopes and set a new sort of benchmark for what can be asked for at other, other campuses. That's it for Stick Together this week. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Frank Cherry, Father Bob McGuire, Marilyn King and Dr Melissa Slee for talking to us today. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au and you can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by calling 03 9419 8377. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Catch you next time.